0: So it was very dramatic, but then I was very dramatic back then as well because I'd grown up with these relationships around me that were all very dramatic, so I thought that was how you had to be. To me, I thought that was love if you were, you know, like being like Den and Ange from East
1: Hello, I am Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, a podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. Jamie Jamal is the Bristol-based lead singer of electronic pick-and-mix duo This Human Condition, which has been described as an early Depeche Mode meets a darker erasure. We caught up to discuss Just, a nightclub which was open between 1994 and 1999 in Bristol, England. We talk all about Gunkles, which, if you don't know, are gay uncles, keeping cool on the dance floor, and add to the age-old debate, who is better, Kylie or Madonna?
0: It, it very much had a cool element to it, rather than the cheesy element of some clubs. You know, it didn't have mm. that um, that thing of let's just play all the cheesy gay music.
1: Yeah, the gays love that.
0: Which I've always had a problem with, with that, because although I love some of it, you know, I'm pretty eclectic in my tastes, as I'm sure you are, being a musician. I think, whereas my boyfriend, you know, he just likes, he's just a pop head and that's it. You know, mm. whereas I need a bit more from my music. I need to do a bit more work <laughs> than just listen to Britney. You know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, like um, when you have like about one particular club in your life that you go to every week. Yeah. If they don't, if they play the same music every week, it just becomes like, oh, fuck this song again.
0: I know, because there's so much great music out there. Why are you playing this shit? And why do you think that we deserve this shit? And (laughs) more importantly, why aren't you screaming about it, you know, and and saying we don't want this shit? I don't want to listen to the Venger boys or no offense to people who like it, you know.
1: Oh, no. And if, like, if I hadn't heard the Venga Boys in, like, three years, yeah. and a song came on, i yeah. like, yay, let's get, you know, exactly. oh, this well, I don't mm, want it week after week. You know? Yeah, if it's week after week, it's like, shut this crap off, yeah.
0: Yeah. I suppose that's why I've got such fond memories of Just, is that it, it didn't do what other clubs did in Bristol, which was the predictable kind of, you know, get a drag act in, you know, put on some Kylie. Kylie, yeah. Or some us <laughs> have a Kylie evening. Or, um, yeah, funny story about Kylie, actually. I For years, obviously, I was obsessed with the whole Neighbours thing um, and loved it at the time. And then I – so I famously, when I moved to Devon, I was listening to a lot of the Stock and Waterman stuff, a bit of a, you know, pop head. And then I went to Devon, and then I – the chap next door was quite gorgeous, and we ended up smoking dope together. So I, within the space of two weeks I went from listening to Sonia to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so I was musically <laughs> saved. <laughs> yeah. um, wait, wait, wait.
1: Did you change your musical taste because you fancied a man? I
0: think so, yeah. But oh. I actually did also recognise that it did it did sound better, you know, than uh You'll never me from the yeah. yeah. Although that a place, <laughs> you know, and I still got some of those tracks that I still got affection for. Um
1: I was listening to Mel and Kim yesterday. Oh, yeah.
0: Amazing, amazing. Respectable. Well, yeah, yeah amazing weekend. so good. Those two in particular were really great. And they, they had a cool element to them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Her song it was pure, just grin and cheese. And <laughs> Kylie's obviously amazing. It yeah, still is. Yeah, so Kylie's <laughs> obviously amazing at what she does. So for years, I would just say about this singing budgie, you know, I don't like Kylie, Kylie's tonal quality. Um, I would slag her off for a bit. I uh, mean, I love "Confide in me and you know, more of oh. a, more, uh, where the <sighs> no, wild, wild roses grow. Some of our more experimental stuff. However, la cut to last year, I was at Glastonbury. I was, I thought, oh, I'll finally go and see Kylie. Um, cause I always protested. I didn't want to. And I was right at the front. Anyway, it was, I, I just, my phone kept buzzing off in my pocket. <laughs> the cameraman obviously took a shine to me. And, um, yeah, there's lots of clips of me enjoying myself to Kylie.
1: Oh, <laughs> are you mouthing along?
0: Or? Yeah, singing, everything. But not just one <laughs> shot, loads of shots. And I'm even dressed up and people still recognise me. So I had to finally accept my gay card again. <laughs> friends used to joke that cousin like Kylie, I'd have to hand in my gay card. <laughs> but yes, yeah, she's incredible, you know. In a... I still don't like her voice, though. <laughs> it's the... But the catalog. I know. I, obviously she's she's so, you know, she wrapped into gay culture, isn't she? Well, I suppose Madonna was my real one. Back, back oh. then, you know, Madonna was really yeah. out there.
1: So in the 90s, yeah. was it that you had to choose? You had to pick sides? Was it like a blur Oasis thing? You had to pick Madonna or Kylie?
0: Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. I think if somebody said they like Kylie over Madonna, you'd be like,
1: you're, <gasps> you're clutch my worth pearls. Talking,
0: worth talking to. <laughs> Next. <laughs> you know, because Madonna was, she did a lot for gay people. You know, she really stuck her neck on the line with, with AIDS and, and stuff like that. You know, she was very vocal. Kylie never did any of that. She just smiled mm. and got on <laughs> with it. <you> know? <laughs> so uh, for me, Madonna, how about you? W- would you have been Kylie or Madonna?
1: I don't know, like, so. um, I don't know, there was never, um, I really need to think about this, I think it might fluctuate. So, I think growing up, I wouldn't have, like, been either one i was just whatevs about them both yeah i was i was never like i think yeah because i think there's this thing when you're a musician isn't there where you have to you go you have to go through a period where you're a bit snobby yes and uh <laughs> so, so totally i went great. through a period where i was a bit snobby and that meant that i was kind of like ah, i can appreciate and i could definitely like appreciate like confide in me yeah and put yourself in my place yeah and 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 then from Madonna I can appreciate like secret and oh, yeah. um you know that kind of yeah they, they that they, that was kind of the Happiness same thing
0: lies in your own hand always love yeah. that.
1: oh hand. i just got that um, <laughs> the uh uh but yeah neither of them i really cared about that much until like the last few years when i've like oh do you know what you've got some really good songs in your back catalog
0: yeah <laughs> Especially, I mean, the erotica era. I remember the sex book. Did you did you ever see that book?
1: No, I haven't seen the book. I've seen like selected photos from it, but
0: so it came in a foil wrapper. Um, mm-hmm. It was released alongside the erotica album, which was about ninety three, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and you had to be eighteen to buy it. So I was in town with my with my late grandmother. And I said, oh, I've got the money. Could you go and buy me this book, please? (laughs) Bless her heart. She did. She just gave it to me and said, I don't even want to know what's in it. (laughs) And I remember looking in it and it was, um, you know, photos of guys together. And some probably the most pornographic stuff I'd seen at that point. Yeah. And some of them turned me on. And obviously there was lots of Madonna. You know, the centerpiece of the book is just Madonna's minge. Um, (laughs) You know, she really... But what I love about that is she was like, no, fuck you. I'll do exactly what I want to do. If I want to take all my clothes off and do a sex book about my fantasies, I will. And she got vilified for it, didn't she, by some people?
1: Yeah, yeah. And her career
0: amazing. did take a dip for a little while. But she, you know, didn't stop her. And I, she to, she, to me, was a really strong woman that I could identify with. Like I said, I didn't really have any uh, gay... Uh, male role models so women were the strong ones in my life and madonna very much represented that from a, a point of view of me being into music you know really mm-hmm. really into music as i'm sure you, you are were um, mm-hmm. so yeah uh, what she was speaking about to me really spoke volumes it gave me a bit of um, fire in my belly you know whereas kylie never really did that she was just sweet and nice
1: so you're definitely Count Madonna. Then.
0: Uh, definitely, uh, I would say overall. <laughs> if if I had to save one, it would probably be Madonna. Sil- sorry, Kylie France.
1: Save, save.
0: <laughs>
1: what?
0: Uh, sorry, sa- I would save Madonna. You, you know if that, that so, thing? If you
1: well, so like, so there's someone who's like kidnapped them both and is going to murder one, and you make the decision. No, no. So if you're
0: in a boat and could only save what you know they just had one hand on each and you could only pull one back up who would you pull up i actually no. maybe i would go with kylie because she would be easier to pull up
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh i don't
1: know yeah and which one like which one has the most silicon because they might just float. That would be
0: Madonna Yeah. probably save <laughs> well, Kylie they... yeah yeah you're right <laughs> maybe i am more like you chopping and changing
1: <laughs> okay all right all right so back to just do you remember your first time there
0: actually I don't <laughs> no um but I worked it out so I was living in Lawrence Weston at the time I just moved back from Devon um I lived on a farm for a couple of years in Devon when I was 16 so I needed to come back you know I sort was of starting to explore who I was so uh, my friend well, was a family friend who was Barry, and then we called him Carl, but I called him Patsy. Um,
1: so, so wait, wait, his name was Barry. Everyone called him Carl, but except for you, you called him Patsy. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, he, that makes he changed, sense.
0: He changed his name from Barry to Carl, but I never liked Carl. I thought Carl didn't suit him, but Patsy did. said he okay. looks like Mick Hucknall. He would often get mistaken for Mick Hucknall at a garage or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's quite a character. Um, so I think we went together for the first time and coming back from Devon, I was smoking a lot of dope and stuff. Um, and I remember, um, we smoked dope together and drank, you know, when we went out and I remember going in quite early and, and saying, why is everyone drinking water? Because I've been in Devon. I mean, literally the, the e-culture and all that were really taken off down there. It was still about the hippie and the, and the spliff. So, it took us a a few weeks to to sort of completely understand what was going on (laughs) to be honest
1: so you just thought everyone was sober
0: yeah i'm like what what's wrong with them why are they drinking water but we have been fun, you know so it wasn't a problem (laughs) it's just that we noticed but well maybe we noticed how much we were drinking
1: and how much more (laughs) awake everyone else was
0: yeah yeah We both had long hair. And I remember we went to the toilets. We'd often soak our hair because we got so hot. We used to dance all the time without the drugs. Um, And then we used to just shake our hair around, you know, on the dance floor, like a pair of dogs, really. (laughs) 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 And poppers. Poppers was a massive thing in there. It was smell of poppers. And you could buy poppers behind the bar.
1: Ah, okay, okay. So let's talk about this because poppers are a very uh, gay thing. yeah. And poppers, originally, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm just going to assume. Some nitrate. people don't know what it is. Um, mm. They were... Hmm. what? It's a bottle it's a, of liquids.
0: It's called amyl nitrate.
1: It's not amyl nitrate. It used to be, and then they changed oh, really? the recipe oh,
0: okay. or something. Anyway, I've
1: done a Wikipedia search, oh, okay. so I know
0: everything. Okay. <laughs> I've got old knowledge, though. So. <laughs> It's like a room odor, odorizer, wasn't it? Yeah, Sorry, that's how it's advertised. Yeah, I, I I never knew this though. I just thought it was it was for dancing. I learned the the other bit after.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that
0: my uncle always did it. Even when we were sat in, he was like, "Do you want some poppers?" You know, because we, we danced in his front room. And then um, it's like, yeah. So it was just I thought it was just it helped you with dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was quite young. When I started sniffing it, I guess I was probably 14, 15.
1: Okay, so I've just brought it up on Wikipedia. And again, just for anyone who doesn't know, popper use has a relaxation effect on involuntary smooth Mm. muscles, such as those in the throat and the anus. So it's used to, you know, to enable to, uh, to get rid of your gag reflex.
0: And this I discovered much later. Works lovely.
1: Okay, so anyway, people were using poppers to dance, like part of their dancing uh, routine.
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh,
1: I just don't get that. Does it not make you like, like, headed?
0: Yeah, it gives you a real kind of, but well, we used to go with it. I used to love it.
1: Does it not like It would really you spin out? you
0: out. No, oh. no, it may it enhance the music and it didn't last for too long, you know? It was just like a heady rush wasn't it? and if it was your favorite song and you were shaking your wet head around like we were it's great
1: <laughs> but you're doing it with like all these people around you in a sweaty space
0: i did set I did remember set uh, spilt some on somebody's backpack that they had on the dance floor once it was a small dance floor and someone
1: had a backpack on the on the dance floor yeah,
0: and of course everyone had a fag in their hand as well and I remember I caught her bag on fire and then just threw my pint over her over a bag and put her out
1: wait, wait so how much on fire
0: uh, it was just like a okay. flame <laughs> I think it just spent a bit on a bag you know somebody sort of knocked your elbow as you went in for a sniff you had one fag in one hand this poppers in the other hand somebody knocked your elbow went on her bag and then there was a you know another cigarette I think probably with my cigarette lit it and then that to get my pint off the shelf and throw it at her
1: <laughs> there's yeah. a lesson here listeners there is be careful this was,
0: this with your the poppers. the 90s. I mean, that would never happen now, would it? Because presumably you wouldn't be able to do either in a club.
1: Oh, no, you can still do poppers, can't you?
0: Well, you, I'm sure you'd get people saying something, wouldn't you? Would you? You could. Of course you could. Well, maybe not in a gay place, but... <laughs> well, the, the younger generation are, are used to just fart smells in clubs, aren't they? Not um, <laughs> fags and <laughs> poppers, you know? Well, they don't even sell it behind the bar. That tells me that they don't want it in their venue.
1: (laughs) So anyway, describe the venue to me.
0: So it's a a really small venue in Phoenix Court, Fairfax Street. I'm reading from this bit, (laughs) so I wouldn't remember. (laughs) Um, It was opened in late 94 by Winston Bright and a guy called John. I don't remember his surname. Um, And it was a, a former Scarlet Coat premise, which was a restaurant run by two gay women. And they had a disco twice a week. I never went to that or knew about it, obviously not being lesbian either. But even my, I've never heard my lesbian friends talk about it either. So Um, the last night of Just was on March the 20th, 1999, uh, because the lease was sold to a developer. Winston then opened Wins in West Street, Old Market, with a chap called Julian. Um, I called that venue the Sticky Carpet Club. (laughs) But anyway, back to Just, Uh, it was painted black from the outside and it, from what I remember, and it just had a tiny little sign just saying, just, no windows. It was, so, um, upstairs was a restaurant, and this was kind of um, downstairs on Fairfax Street, so it, it, it didn't even look like a venue, really. You know, it wasn't, it, uh, I guess, gay venues were, it was about being hidden, wasn't it, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was just a door that you went in. That, that was it.
1: And when you went through the door, what happened?
0: Yeah, there was a little booth where they take money on the weekend. Uh, we often didn't pay because we knew everyone anyway. Um, there was ladies' toilets on the right, gents' toilets on the right, a big long bar on the left, and then right then you had some seats, and then right down the end you had the dance floor, and then that was it. So the dance floor probably could fit about 40 people on it, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that had a stairwell behind the back of the DJ. The DJ was also on the dance floor where you could sort of go and sit and do other things.
1: Ooh, shall we say. other things? Tell me. Other more. things.
0: I don't know, like snogging or blowjobs, or I, I saw all sorts of things around there. But most of the action, to be honest, went on in the, the men's toilets. Um, you couldn't really go in there without being groped at, at some points. Um, oh, that's gross yeah so i used to go to the ladies if i just wanted a innocent we um and then some of the ladies would get a bit funny you know because there was only two toilets in there and they were taken up by drag queens or men <laughs> so i can understand it now
1: yeah
0: i did actually meet meet um a girl in there called joe and i'm still friends with her to this day but if i wanted to do other things i would go into the men's um I remember somebody saying what we need in here is a dark room and I punched the light <laughs> and that went out. And um, But yeah, that was quite a night.
1: You just punched the light out in the toilet?
0: It, it was quite dimly lit anyway. I think it was like a green or a red light. So it, it was quite dingy and dark anyway. But obviously, punching the light out just, just meant that people could really <laughs> go for it.
1: Make full <laughs> use of the poppers they brought with them.
0: Full use, yeah. Early on in the evening, people would actually go in the cubicle and be a bit more private. But later in the evening, you know, um, when people are a bit more confident, shall we say, or um, anything went really. And I got well involved <laughs> at times. It was lovely. I wasn't always in the mood for it. But if I was, you know, it's a great, um, great distraction from the dancing. That It would often, often be a really great t- tune that would bring me back out to the dance floor, to be honest. <laughs> and I'd be like, Patsy, Patsy. Uh, It was our son and we'd have to go out, you know.
1: (laughs) Just pull yourself away from the erect penis you were entertaining yourself with and hot-foot it to the dance floor. Yeah. (laughs) And so what was the crowd kind of like there? You said before that there were women, but was it, like, predominantly men? or? Um,
0: No. No, it was a real diverse mix of everyone from, I remember, masculine guys with their tops off. I remember black people, lesbians, trannies, as we called them back then um it just seemed to be guys that went out Uh, Thursdays was tranny night and I I used to love Thursdays um we used to dress up a lot as well Patsy and I we Patsy used to make dresses and then we'd go out in those or I went out dressed as Boy George one night or yeah so we were really into dressing up as well so talking and Patsy was a real character. I was more learning back then. I suppose I've become more of more of a character. But he was he was showing me the ropes back then, I guess, because he was nine years older than me. Um and he, he was great with people. People loved him. Uh so yeah, that to answer your question, there were it was just such a, a, a great mix, you know, whereas I, I used to go to this other pub called the elephant and that there was a lesbian corner and the guys you go in and it can be quite bitchy and intimidating, you know, but just never felt like that to me. It was sort of anything went. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about you for a minute then. So what was going on in your life at that time?
0: I, I moved to Devon when I was on my 16th birthday. So I was coming back weekends. So I was already starting to go to another club with, with my friend, patsy called uh oasis we, and um i remember i was very young when i went in there so it must have been just 16 i remember this chap waving some money around in front of my face and patsy was off chatting to somebody else and he came back and said oh he's with me and i was like why are you being horrible to him he was just he, you know and he was a he thought i was a rent boy but i was that innocent that <laughs> i just thought he had been kind <laughs> just
1: kindly waving money in your face just
0: being kind yeah yeah <laughs> And I remember they had. I remember go to an AIDS night, um, and they played piano on a, often on a Sunday. It was all quite civilized. So I came back to Bristol in '92, and then obviously we went to the Elephant, the Griffin, um, which were pubs. And he was really well known on the scene, so he used to introduce me as his um, uncle. He wasn't really just um, my mum. My mother used to look after him actually. When he was a boy so um, that's how I knew him I was lucky I guess I had him to introduce me to everyone you know and he was really well loved and liked Um, so then when we heard about this just opening we went there that's how that's how I got there
1: so I'm intrigued about Patsy let's talk a bit more um, about him firstly why did you come up with that nickname for him
0: it came from um, Absolutely Fabulous, which started in 92. We used to go to this uh, straight pub called The Blaze Inn, which was a really rough cider house. And we would go there before we would go out clubbing. So we'd already get a bit tanked up on cider. Um, they called us, Patsy and Eddie. They said we were like, you know, the characters. We would just sat at the bar bitching, really. Lots of banter. That's what it was about. Lots of laughter. Um so, yeah, they actually gave us that name, Patsy and Eddie. So going into the this straight pub where we were both out, yeah. And, and yeah. obviously Abfab Fab was really big back in 92.
1: And you said that he was really well-known and well-liked. What was it about him that kind of attracted people, that drew them in?
0: He was such a storyteller. Um, obviously, had masses of ginger curls, then later sort of um, matted and uh, yeah, to look at, like I said earlier, he he looked like Mick Hucknall who was also very big at the time and he did actually get stopped in a garage once and asked for his uh, autograph and he gave it. (laughs) 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 I don't think he really liked people comparing him to Mick Hucknall because I don't think Mick Hucknall was considered, you know, good looking. He was probably a bit better looking than Mick, but what was it about him? Good question. He was just really colourful and humorous, a lightning sense of humour, I guess he had. He he could just make lots of people laugh and hold court, and he loved dressing up, and he was really out there. For me, who was not really shy back then. Um, It was a great tonic, really, because I was able to go out and have the kind of night I wanted. But would I have done it without him? Probably not. And I did venture out a few times on my own and I was just, I remember just like reading a magazine, I've had a quick pint and leave it and it was terrifying.
1: Mm. So did he, so he kind of took you under his wing. Was he always there kind of supporting you?
0: Yeah. 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 He obviously knew from a young age that I was probably going to turn out to be gay, he obviously saw you know, every dog knows their own and all that.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know that <laughs>
0: phrase. I don't you. I talked to him a lot about coming out actually, because I wasn't out back then. Only, although I was out going out with him and being in these gay venues. I mean, that was just such a great escapism from life, because I could be myself when I was out. Mm. But take away, you know, when I wasn't going out, I was pretending to be as society, you know, made you feel.
1: Ah, so does that mean that you, like, you weren't out? Or does that mean that you were just kind of keeping your head down a little?
0: I was conform. I wasn't comfortable saying I'm gay. I I never really wanted to be gay, to be honest. I mean, I don't feel that same way now. I'm really pleased now. But back then, no, I struggled. I mean, there was a lot of, it was all around you, wasn't it? All this, you know.
1: Ah, that's really interesting, because I was going to... I was going to ask like whether or not you had any reflections on how much easier it was for you having the presence of a queer man in your life. Because, you know, most people growing up in the 80s and the 90s, were yeah. kind of, there was no representation. There was no kind of queer faces or queer voices that people could uh, relate to. And, uh, yeah, so I just kind of wondered whether it, having someone in your life... Uh, that acted as that role model made it kind of easier in any way
0: yes in in his company totally Uh, um, just accepted me for what I was I didn't have to pretend he you know I could say who I fancied I could talk about sex we could do drugs together you know he was the perfect person for me back then really Mm mm-hmm um actually my mum had gay friends so she was quite cool with it but interestingly I still wasn't comfortable being able to come out to her not to anyone really I, I just couldn't say those few short words mm. just couldn't do it I think I must have been about 19 18 19 when I eventually did so between 16 and 19 really struggled with it actually even before that I, I'm moving to Devon I mean who's going to relate to you in Devon <laughs> I didn't find men I didn't find anyone Hence why I used to come back on the weekends, you know, and eventually thought, I've got to move back.
1: But so then between the ages of 16 and 19, you were going to gay bars, but you weren't really identifying Mm. as gay.
0: I think probably went in when I was about 14. I think about 89 was the first time I went into Oasis. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody, it was men only as well, but nobody stopped me and said, you know, you're too young or, um, don't, no, I don't remember going to the bar, but I, su- I was certainly drinking, you know, nobody questioned it.
1: And so then, like, at 14, when you were going to these bars, were you thinking, yeah, I'm probably gay, or was it just that you were going out because it was a bar and you wanted to drink?
0: Oh, I absolutely knew, knew I was, yeah, because the minute I went in there, I was, A, yeah. petrified, well, half petrified, half really excited, you know, but I just didn't have the courage to do it on my own although I did try a few times it was never the same so when I was out with Patsy it was like Mm. um he would walk in and just be able to you know own the place as it were with his humor and people would just fall around you know chat and gravitate towards him you know because he was fun character to be around and I loved that and I, I I suppose that's how I was learning you know I'm more like that now as a person but back then I was I I guess I was just learning from him. You know, very quick, clever wits he had.
1: So was he the person that you came out to first?
0: Yeah. Uh, Actually, no. Um, Well, yes, (laughs) I (laughs) know. I didn't have to. He just said, you're gay, and that's it.
1: By the way, I've I've noticed (laughs) that you're gay.
0: Yeah, it it wasn't even a question or an option. It was just like, you're gay. And I'm like, well, no, no. Well, yes, you are. Don't lie. <laughs> it was more like that. Oh,
1: you know, that's like my coming out story. That was like with my mum. <laughs> she just kind of kept saying, "By the way, you're gay," and like I'm totally cool with it. Don't worry.
0: Uh, uh, did you find that awkward?
1: Well, I don't know. So it was kind of like um she would say it to me, like like even before before i knew i was kind of one of those kids that everyone would kind of come up to in the schoolyard or just randomly point at and say by the way you're going to be gay when you're older so it wasn't like this yeah. thing that happened and when it happened i was like oh god what oh i have no idea what this is um it was something that uh, people had been you know giving me the heads up about but anyway so my my mom was like uh just before, before I had any inkling of my sexuality or any sexual thoughts, she kind of kept saying, oh, by the way, I just want to let you know that if any of my kids turn out to be gay, I'll be totally cool with it. And we can like hang out and, you know, I, I love you and accept you for whatever you are. And she would just bring this up randomly every like month or so. Until one day, eventually, I was just like, yes, okay, I'm gay, yes. Um, and that was probably like two or three days after I'd figured it out for myself.
0: <laughs> well, I remember driving in the car with mother, and she just said, So are you gay then? It made it really easy for me. But uh, like you said, I, I just wasn't, I knew I was, I just, wasn't comfortable saying those words at that time and I felt a bit cheated because I wanted to I wanted to sit her down and her give her a speech yeah expecting <laughs> that I think everything I'd read or a lot of the stories were quite negative so I was expecting and I'm like I was almost a bit um
1: Ah, oh, this is anticlimactic yeah <laughs>
0: I didn't get my big dramatic <laughs> moment and now I've got a really shit story to tell. Mum <laughs> was really cool with it. However, <laughs> Dad was um a different story. He he would call me Nancy Boy and stuff like that growing up. Or I remember I had a black girlfriend at primary school and he would tease me about that. Yeah. Um yeah. So I was really didn't want to come out to him. However, one night um with, with Sorry, a, sorry.
1: Were your parents together then?
0: No, sorry, no, they were done by the time I was two, so oh, I never okay. remember them together. Um, so so I met this chap actually on the dance floor of Just, um, called Lee, and he was crying, and I <laughs> fell in love.
1: <laughs> Obviously, let <laughs> but, me save you. Yeah, yeah, you. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Exactly. I was a rescuer, and uh, anyway, so he moved into my bedsit, and. We dared each other. Um, so he dared me to write a letter to my dad telling him I was gay. And I did. But I didn't just tell him I was gay. I said I was a bisexual transvestite and that I wanted the whole whole world to know about it. <laughs> Again, going in for this real dramatic, you know, trying to get my moment because I didn't get it with mum. So, uh, yeah, I, I sent the letter as well. Because he was like, oh, you went." I thought if I leave it till the morning, I won't do it. So, so I was yeah I just went and posted it and he, he actually wrote me back a lovely letter to be fair ah, yeah ruined it again I know
1: <laughs> oh, I'm so know. sorry would it help if I was like somehow outraged at you right now
0: yes please
1: <laughs> so uh so what did you write back
0: he was very concerned that I wanted the whole world to know about it <laughs> Um, but her friend come out to him at work. So he was sort of relating to it through that, you know, saying he was fine with his friend and, but, but this surprised me, you know, because of calling me shirtlifter and Nancy boy when I was younger, I was mm. really surprised by that. I thought he was just going to, and he, he saw it as his oh. duty to go around the family and tell them. So I didn't, I didn't have to do it with my nan. who was just
1: robbing busy. you left, right and center of those dramatic moments.
0: I know. Totally robbed. But
1: isn't it kind of really weird that, like, um, it feels as though there's this kind of weird psychology with some parents where they think that if they keep pointing out your queerness and your gayness and, like, mock you for it, that somehow it will work as this kind of aversion therapy where you'll be so determined to prove them wrong that you'll end up Yeah, yeah. Kind of a really fucked up way of bringing a child into the world.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I knew I knew from a young age I, I didn't want to be anything like him. The only thing about him I liked was the fact he was a musician, because when he was doing music, he was lovely, actually. He was happy. Um, but uh, take away the music, I don't really relate to him, like him or anything. So, yeah, the only thing I've taken from him is the, yeah. the music aspect, I guess. But But as a young kid, I knew that what he was saying was not right, you know? And I didn't really have any male role models growing Mm. up. I suppose Patsy was filled that shoe eventually.
1: Mm. Anyway, so Just. 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 Do you remember hearing about it closing?
0: Yeah, I went to the last night. Um, I looked back in my diary, actually, which is why I knew it. It closed on that night, on the 20th of March, um,
1: 1999. So wait, do you like have you been keeping diaries for the last however many years
0: yeah there's a few years missing from when i was oh, okay. taking too many drugs um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i pretty much do i want to keep a <gasps> roll wow. for so you know sometimes there's weeks where i've written nothing i might have written things like you know just like i did just closed last night of just or i fell out with patsy or had sex or something like that, you know. Highlights. I kind of are, <laughs> I didn't necessarily write every detail.
1: Came, came twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Came twice.
1: <laughs> Sorry, so I've distracted us. So, um, so you wrote in your diary about the last night. Mm. What What was it like?
0: I don't remember too much, other than it, it was really sad. I remember just drinking. You know, the, I think the drinks were even free. Come the end. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another really interesting thing that I forgot to mention. On a Sunday night, uh, we had uh, laws in this country. I don't think you could serve alcohol past 10 on a Sunday night back then. Um, so there would there be these amazing lock-ins, and there was a vending machine, like a Coke machine type thing, where you could get uh, beer out of. I-, I thought that was brilliant. So, yeah, the bar would actually shut down. So if anyone came in, they could clearly see the bar was shut. But yeah, we just used to get uh, drinks out of the vending machines. <laughs> but it wasn't advertised as beer. It was just, you know, I thought that was genius.
1: Just the way of getting around it.
0: I've never been into any other club or place was like that. They usually did what they were told, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, anything went really. That, that was what I loved about Just, I think. There was, there didn't seem to be any rules Um, Apart from squaring up to the bouncer that would get you kicked out. and I I can't remember what that was over, to be honest. Um, But pretty much, you you know, you could have sex in the toilet, sniff poppers. Um, You could pretty much do what you wanted. Um, Put your feet on stools.
1: Kick the women out of the women's bathroom.
0: Cry on the dance floor. (laughs) Um, you, You could wet your hair and shake it by the... Electric lights <laughs> you know there was nowadays I see people all these rules, you know there just were no rules really i don't don't think I ever remember any police going in there or any don't really remember any fights or any trouble either, apart from with me. <laughs>
1: Did you ever go to Just? Well, if you did, I would love to hear from you. Please tell me any stories or share any anecdotes or photos that you have from that time. You can reach me via social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc., with the user handle K. Anderson Music. And you can also find out more about Jamie's band, This Human Condition, at www.thishuman and and on top of that he has a new act named flux which you can find out all about at twitter.com slash uk lost spaces is not only a podcast but a concept record as well i've been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there and will be releasing songs over the coming year You can hear the first single, "Well Grim Boys, which is also playing underneath my talking right this very second on all streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on Apple Podcasts, or just told people who you think might be interested in having a listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.